Women Taking the Lead, Episode 120. No matter what, no matter what you hear or what other people think, don't let anyone dull your spark. Don't dim your brilliance. Don't hold back. Just be who you are and know it'll be okay. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentl.com forward slash recognize to reserve your spot in our upcoming webinar on how to be recognized and rewarded for the work you do. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Dr. Michelle Mazur, who's hired by speakers and entrepreneurs to create speaking as a profit center for their business by building a speech-like product that positions them as the go-to expert in their field. She is the CEO of Communication Rebel. She lives in Seattle, Washington with her adoring husband, two obsessive felines, and a huge collection of Duran Duran memorabilia. I love that. (laughs) And Michelle, that's just a little blurb for everyone. So tell us more about you and your own humble beginnings. Sure. Well, thank you for having me, Jody. I'm so excited to be here. And if you would have told me when I was 10 years old or 12 years old that I would be running a business coaching speakers on how to birth their message that they want to be known for, I would have told you you were absolutely insane. (laughs) I was a very shy and awkward and really nerdy girl growing up. I was the type of student who sat in the back of the classroom and would know the answers but would never raise my hand because I didn't want to be seen. And in my sophomore year of high school, I had to take a public speaking class because they forced you to. Like it was a requirement. And I remember showing up for the first day of class. I'm like, oh, dreading this. It's going to be awful. And I walked in and the boy I liked was in the class. It just got even worse. (laughs) And the first speech I ever gave, I always remember how I felt because the boy I liked sat in the front row and in front of that room, my knees were knocking and my voice was shaky and I sped read the speech and I think I spit on the boy that I liked multiple times. He was kind of in my splash zone of speed reading. And it was just this horrific moment because I didn't want to be speaking. I hadn't found my voice. And then I still had this like nagging voice inside of my head that, you know, hey, Michelle, this is an important skill. You need to master it. And So I got a C in my first public speaking class and hated it and signed up for advanced public speaking, much to my parents' chagrin. And then for me, it just, it went from there. Like I realized that finding my own voice, I could help other people find their voice. And it hasn't been a smooth path from that first public speaking experience to where I am now because I feel especially being a woman, that if you have a strong opinion, you're very much looked down on or you're seen in a way that, you know, oh, is she being too ambitious or, you know, she's too big for her britches was something I heard a lot growing up. Michelle, stop being too big for your britches. And that was 
a challenging message to get around. Wow. Well, Michelle, I, I have to go back because okay. I, I, I think there might be a, a space you can fill in because <laughs> I'm imagining in my head, you're horrified by the thought of having to do public speaking. Mm-hmm. You don't feel like you're very good at it. You got a C in the class, but then you signed up for advanced public speaking because you felt like you had gained your voice and you could help other people gain theirs as well. What what happened in between that first speaking <laughs> assignment and your signing up for the advanced class? Because I would think most people who have that kind of experience would run for the hills and never touch public speaking again unless they were forced to. Yeah, I love to blame my mom for this because growing up, my mom raised me on like speeches of Martin Luther King and John F. Kennedy. And I saw these great men making great change in the world. And I think that just stuck in my head that, yeah, you suck at this and it is not fun for you, but it's something that you just need to learn. Like you need to master this skill. And so throughout the course of this public speaking class where I was getting like pity C's on each speech, I could not shake that feeling that this was something I had to pursue. And when I told my mom I was taking advanced public speaking, she thought I was nuts. Like, what are you doing? Like, why would you want to do this? You hate this. And I'm like, no, no, this, this, it's, it's, it's almost like it was the challenge. The gauntlet has been passed and I need to accomplish something here. I need to learn and push myself in a way that was super uncomfortable, but deep down, I knew that was the right path. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what you touched upon, you know, sometimes when women have too strong of an opinion or they're perceived to have too strong an opinion, it can shut people down. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine that over time, you've learned that skill of being able to say what's on your mind, but leave, but have the conversation stay open so that people can hear what you're saying rather than make a quick judgment about you and stop listening? Sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'll be honest, it's hard because I am, I'm one of those people who's very direct. And when I have an opinion, you'll know exactly what my opinion is and how I feel about it. Like, I am not great at hiding my emotions and how I think about something. So I've, I've learned to attract people who love that type of communication or who are open to that type of communication. And honestly, like in business and other aspects of my life, like if you don't like how direct I am, we probably shouldn't be hanging out. And that was a hard lesson for me to learn of, all right, there's always going to be people who are going to be turned off by how I communicate. And if I'm so worried about you know, dialing it back so that I'm more accepted, then part of my message gets lost too. Yes. And it, and it can make it harder to communicate with people or to see a vision through mm-hmm. because it's not as clear yes. anymore. And, and I would say that that's pretty powerful too, because I do trainings um, within organizations on communication style. So exactly what we're talking about mm-hmm. right here. And the goal is to have it so people can work together. Yeah. But as But as business owners, you know, sometimes it's just easier to especially have a team that gets your communication style and can work well with it, right? So part of that is, too, to, you know, 
how to how to identify those people who you'll work best with. And it's part of our marketing is to, you know, put our communication style out there. So those people who are attracted to that, those people become our clients. Because if we water ourselves down too much, we end up with clients we don't even enjoy working with because we're now having to be the person that our marketing message portrayed us as, which isn't the case. Yeah. And that does not lead to good outcomes or results for anyone in that business relationship. No. Ever, ever. Oh, Michelle. Well, clearly you've had success. You have come a long way. You are very comfortable speaking. You and I had a nice chat before we hit record and you haven't lost momentum, you know, even with the record button being pushed, you've had success. You've definitely gained confidence, but take us back to a time when you were playing small and you may not have been aware of it at the time. Share with us the story and the lessons you've learned. Oh, sure. I feel like there was a big catalyst moment that happened for me when I think I was a junior in college. So on my path to communication, I joined the college speech and debate team and I I love debate. I love having thoughtful conversations and seeing both sides of an issue. And during my junior year, my debate partner, Brian, and I were at a tournament. And at the end of every tournament, we would all pile into the team van to drive home. And our coach would give us the ballots from the debate rounds that we had that day before we would hit the road so we could read them. And I remember sitting next to my debate partner and he was reading a ballot and all of a sudden he just crumpled it up and tossed it to the side. And I was like, hey, dude, what's on that ballot? He's like, doesn't matter. You don't need to read it. I'm like, no, I want to read that. What, what does it say? So I wrestled, <laughs> I wrestled this crumpled piece of paper away from him. And I started reading the judge's comments. And then I got to the comments about me. And I noticed one word written very largely and boldly about me. And it was a word that starts with a B and rhymes with which. And, you know, like the people who judge college debate tournaments, mostly they're educators. And here I am like 20 years old and reading this B word to describe me. And it was so antithetical to who I felt I was because I felt that I was approachable and nice and I didn't understand why, if I was making the same arguments that my debate partner was making and supporting him in those arguments and extending those arguments, why was he a brilliant speaker, which was earlier in the debate ballot, and I, the B word. And then it started just cascading from there, like, well, how can I make sure that I'm not a B, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, how can I say things differently? How can I do things differently? How can I approach debate differently? And I noticed that that moment of seeing that word to describe me while I was communicating cascaded through my whole life. Like, I stopped participating in class as much because I felt if I raised my hand and I made a strong point, somebody would think I was a B, Mm-hmm. Or in relationships, I wouldn't advocate for what I needed in the relationship because, oh, I don't want to be a B. Mm-hmm. And it impacted 
every part of my life and caused me to like dim my own brilliance. And it was, it's, it's still really hard to talk about. I think this is actually the first time I've ever told the story <laughs> out loud. And yeah, and I think that impact lasted for years until I probably got into graduate school and found out that professors were actually interested in what I had to say. But there is nothing like having such a derogatory word to describe something that you feel passionate about and that you feel like you're good at. And then it just makes you question everything about your communication. My goodness. And were the judges aware that you would see this feedback? Yes. they. Yeah. Not that it really matters, <laughs> really. Like at the bottom line is it doesn't really matter. But this person knew you were going to see. The, oh, yeah. This work. Yeah. Because they know that we would get the ballots back at the end of the tournament. And I mean, I think there's a larger conversation here because, you know, if for me, like, if a man made the same arguments I was making in the same style that I was making, he would be bold and audacious and have a strong viewpoint. But a woman is viewed as a being a, a bee, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> like this witch. Yeah. And, you know, I even see that. I mean, I look even at our like current political climate, not that I want to get political, but I think about Hillary Clinton and how people say that she's ambitious and ruining the Democratic Party. You wouldn't say that of a guy. Mm-mm. Yeah. All- she's not fluffy and people don't like that about her. I mean, there are other things that people don't like about her. I don't want to say yeah. like it's one dimensional, but she really gets crit. It's interesting when she gets criticized for not being more feminine. Yes. And yeah, we wouldn't criticize a man for being ambitious. You don't hear Donald Trump saying Ted Cruz is too ambitious and he's ruining the Republican Party. Like that's not an argument that would cross his mind, but that's an okay argument to make about a woman. And so I've noticed that through the course of my life that, you know, women have to have, have to figure out, even if it isn't that, you know, like their way to have a more feminine style of communicating. So you don't offend anyone around you. Mm. And that's not (laughs) okay to me. (laughs) Like that's not okay. I know it's, it is, um, I'm almost speechless in this because there's, I don't want to say there isn't a lot to say. It's just, you know, having read Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In and watched her Ted talk and knowing that how you're perceived as a woman, you know, um, if you come across too strong, if you display unfeminine characteristics, then you're judged pretty harshly. Mm -hmm. But not everyone of us, like we're on a spectrum. Not every woman is super feminine and not every man is super masculine, right? We're all on a spectrum and we lean one way or another and not all of our characteristics come across as very feminine. And to know that some people just won't be able to handle it, you know, if you're just being yourself it can feel, you know, on the one hand, it can feel very limiting. And on the other hand, it can also make you feel like, well, then I guess there's just some people that I'm not going to get along with. Yeah. And I think that's a journey in it of itself. I mean, I feel like no ma- man or woman, there's always going to be people you don't get along with. <laughs> true. true. <laughs> and that's fine. 
There's peace in that. (laughs) There is peace in that. But, you know, hearing that message that we should tone, like tone down who you are in order to make your point or how you show up in the world is that's Mm -hmm. not a great message for women. And that does keep us playing from small, us playing small. I feel like it keeps, you know, in my industry, there's a whole conversation about how there aren't as many paid women speakers as there are men. And there's a Mm -hmm. lot of reasons behind that. I mean, there is systemic and cultural reasons, but also I think women hold themselves back. Like we think, oh, I can't, I'm not expert enough to pitch Mm -hmm. for this speaking gig. Like I shouldn't put myself out there for that. And I think it's because of those messages that we get that it's not okay to be who we are and to communicate in a way that is authentic to who we are. So we just, we just keep playing small and our voices aren't heard and we don't get our messages out into the world. Yes. And I think that's where we get our power back, you know, as Mm -hmm. much as before, you know, just being faced with reality can make us be like, oh God, this isn't good. But the reality is the more of us who are willing to just be who we are and put ourselves out there, the landscape will change. Mm -hmm. It will start accommodating women who have masculine characteristics and men who have feminine characteristics too, that we won't be judged based on our gender, but more on the value that we bring. Yes. Uh, All right, Michelle. Now we're going to pivot just a little bit and I'm going to have you share with us a time in your journey when you had a wake-up call. Take us back to that moment and share with us the steps that you took that led to your success. Yeah. So related to like not being able to express myself, when I first started my business, I was a blogger. Many of us start off as bloggers. And I was an awful blogger because I'm a trained academic. I have a PhD. I wrote for research journals. And if you ever have insomnia and you want to fall asleep, grab a research journal because they're very technical and boring. And that was my writing style. And in order to get my message out there, I knew I had to find my own voice. And it happened at a conference that I went to. I was sitting in the audience and the speaker comes out and she says, to everyone, like, all right, everyone stand up. So everyone in the room, we're good audience members. We all stand up. And she says, now clap. So we start clapping and we're thinking like, where is this going? So we're clapping and standing. And she says, you've given me, you've given me a standing ovation. Now I must earn it. And in that moment, I felt so manipulated by the speaker, like immediately, like I had been tricked and duped into doing something that I didn't want to do and wasn't sure if she was going to earn her standing ovation. And the woman sitting next to me had the speaker's order form that they were all placed on our chairs. And she started to rip it up like slowly and loudly in a very visual way. And during this woman's talk, I wrote a rant basically called How Not to Be a Motivational Speaker. And it was just, it was, it was funny, but it was also very cutting. It was very me. And it was a blog post that I was absolutely terrified to publish because, oh my gosh, I'm being so bold and being so direct. What are people going to think? And I went home and I typed it out and I pushed publish the next day. 
And I waited because like, ah, oh, here it comes. Like, this is going to be bad. I don't know what I was thinking. And it got a really positive response. And then I got an email with the title of the blog post in the subject line. And I thought, oh, my gosh, here it comes. Here it comes. My first piece of hate mail. And instead, it was like, I loved this post. This is amazing. You have such a fresh and original take. You know, I'm looking for a new speaking coach. And I was wondering if you were available and you did that kind of thing. And I'm like, wow, wait a minute. Like, I didn't even have a business at this point in time. And I was like, wow, I put my opinion out there. And someone liked it so much that they want to hire me. Like, that's crazy, but amazing at the same time. And so this this man and I had a conversation and it turned out his first speak, the speaking gig was at the Barbara Bush Points of Light Foundation. And he ended up being my very first client. And that taught me like, oh, wait, there are people who want you to have a different viewpoint, a different perspective, and that it is so important to put that perspective out there, especially if it scares you or you think you're going to get blowback or hate mail. Because I mean, honestly, you'll probably get a piece or two of hate mail throughout the years. I mean, I've had my fair share (laughs) over the years, but something amazing happens when you put your strong perspective out into the world. Like people will be attracted to it. And for me, it was one of those moments where I started, stopped playing small in my blog and thought, oh my gosh, I could really start a business. You know, Michelle, you bring up a good point. If anyone is looking for their own voice or identity, you know, that sort of thing, I think what your story points to is, you know, it's the things that you get passionate about, Mm -hmm. right? Whether it's positively or negatively, whatever label you put on it, it doesn't even matter. But what stirs your emotion, you know, that's your voice, that's your signature. Because I, I found the same thing as well. Like some of my best blogs have come from things that started out as annoyances and frustrations Mm -hmm. for me. And then I could just take a step back, put it all down on paper. Yes, sometimes I go back and edit it a little bit, right? Uh-huh. But then but then but the 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 true nature of the post is what goes out. And I get great responses from that because it's very real for me. It was something that evoked an emotion for me. Mm-hmm. And I share that and that's what people respond to. So I love that. Yeah. That you- I tell people that there are two types of people in the world. There are your ranters and there are your ravers and there are there's gold in each of those. Like mm-hmm. what makes you go on a rant is going to distinguish you and make you stand out. But what you love passionately, what you geek out on, oh, there's magic there too. So it, it just depends like the type of person you are. Like for me, I can be a little bit ranty. So if I'm ranting about something, I know that that there's a perspective in there. There's learning there for other people. But if you're, if you geek out on something and you love it, there's a viewpoint in there and there's learning for other people. So both are so valuable in, in leading and in getting your viewpoint out. 
Well, that's a great segue because my next question I was going to ask you is about your leadership style. So, Michelle, how would you describe your leadership style? I would say my leadership style is very direct. I know that probably shocks you. What? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I feel like I have a good vision for where I'm going and I like when I work with my team in my business or when I've worked with in, on other teams, I like to put that vision out there and then get feedback on it and say like, all right, so this is what I'm thinking. What do you all think? Like what would make this better? Or is there something in here that you're seeing that you don't think is going to work in a million years? This is your time to tell me because I want to work on implementing this as soon as possible because I like to go from vision to implementation very quickly. And I've made mistakes in the past where I realized that that's not a great idea because I have a lot of ideas. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and yes. so, but taking that extra step and being like, hey, so this is like the overall theme I'm thinking of, but what do you all think? And getting other people's opinions and feedback and even though this is hard for me, like taking it from a place where it's like, okay, I'm not going to say anything, not saying anything. I'm just listening and absorbing because that's how you get a better result. So even though I'm very direct, I like, I do like the feedback and the collaboration because I think better ideas come out of feedback and collaboration. Yes. You're very direct, but you also give people freedom to critique you which you have to have. If you're going to yes. have one, you, you've got to have the other. Because, And I like how you put it out there to, um, to your team and to people to get feedback is like, this is my idea, but I don't think it's perfect. Mm-hmm. I don't, or I don't think it's right. And I want you to poke holes, say what, what you think works, what doesn't work. That really encourages honest feedback rather than somebody saying blankly, you know, being like, what do you think we should do next when you already know what you want to do? (laughs) I've seen that before. Well, and when I worked in corporate, there would be this like that underhanded like, oh, well, let's open this up for comments when you knew that the other person really didn't want to hear what you had to say. And it would just start an argument or a conflict within the team. So then then it's like, oh, I'm just not going to say anything, which is bad for business, right? Like, right. That is bad for business because if leaders can't take the feedback of their team, then that's how mistakes get made. Right. Right. Oh, my gosh. And Michelle, what's one thing you're working on right now that you're excited about? Oh, I think one thing that I'm working on right now is I'm getting ready to launch a, well, it's not a new program, but it's something I've been dreaming up for a while and I've beta tested it a couple of times, but it's called the Speaking Distillery. And it's a six-week program to basically create and craft your signature talk. And really my goal for this is getting getting this program to women who want to get their message out there and want to be paid. Cause that's what I'm most passionate about is like, I believe that women have great messages and they need to make a difference and be paid what they're worth. So that's the program that I'm currently working on and getting it ready and ready for launch. Awesome. I love it. When it's perfectly ready, send me the link. I'll add it to your show notes because I I think there are a lot of women who'll be very interested in that. I think I've I've been seeing what you're talking about, that there aren't enough women who are speaking at conferences mm-hmm. and conventions and you know, and when I talk to the organizers about like why aren't there more women here, they're like, We didn't get the applications. I've heard that multiple times because it's so easy to think 
oh, well, you know, it's systemic, like meeting planners just aren't choosing women. (laughs) And I mean, there is part of that, like there's a male way of speaking that is seen as successful. And I saw this when I was on the speech and debate team, like male, male debate teams did better than female, female debate teams like all the way up to like national championship. If you are a female, female debate team, you had like a snowball's chance of, of winning a tournament, but men did well. Toastmasters International is the same thing with their world championship of public speaking. Toastmasters is 50, 50 women. But when it comes to world championship, you're lucky if there's one woman, woman on that final stage. And then you see it in professional speaking. It's something I've been bumping up against my whole life. So if I can do something to help get women's messages out there and make sure that women aren't holding themselves back. So meeting planners can be like, Hey, look, I've gotten a hundred applications from women. That's awesome. I'm going to have a really diverse conference versus like, man, I got to dig up some woman to come speak. Cause this is all dudes. <laughs> Right. And we're going to, we're going to look bad. Yeah. bad. Like this is a marketing conference and all of our speakers are men and marketing's pretty female dominated field. Like where are my women? Yes. Yes. And the women have to step up. It's not just guys holding women back. It's women not putting themselves out there and being willing to take the risks. And I know sometimes I'm guilty of that myself. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to be very interested in your link, Michelle. Awesome. (laughs) All right. All right. Now I'm doing a quick leadership roundup and then we'll wrap up. So Michelle, tell us what is one practice you have that helps to make you a better leader? I'd say meditation because it makes me less reactive. I have a tendency to want to jump in and like address things immediately. And with meditation, it teaches you to take a pause before taking action and giving other people a chance to do their job. And what is one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? Oh, I thought about this one for a long time. And I'm going to go with Amanda Palmer's Art of Asking, because it's a book all about why we should be asking and how asking gives us connection with other people. It says, I see you and I need help from you. So, and I think that's for me, asking was always a super hard thing to do. It was like, oh, well, I should just do this myself because I don't want to be perceived as lazy, but really asking for the help that I need in all aspects of my life has been a big lesson that I needed to learn. So Art of Asking Amanda Palmer is amazing. And what advice would you give your younger self? I would tell her, no matter what, no matter what you hear or what other people think, don't let anyone dull your spark. Don't dim your brilliance. Don't hold back. Just be who you are and know it'll be okay. And Michelle, share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. One of my favorite quotes is from Pablo Picasso, and it is, learn the rules like a pro so you can break them like an artist. (laughs) And for me, I mean, I run a business called Communication Rebel, but I've always loved that because it shows that in, like, you shouldn't break rules willy-nilly especially as a leader. But if, but if you know the rules, you know which ones apply and which ones don't and which ones you can bend and mold in different ways. And it's just such a fascinating way of looking at life. 
And, you know, and I love that. And I've heard that in many different areas that you have to know the fundamentals Mm -hmm. of a game and everything is a game. Like you got to think about everything as a game. You got to know the fundamentals before you can start bending the rules. Yeah. And knowing which rules you can break. Exactly the same point. And that's why sometimes people get into trouble when they don't learn the rules and they just start breaking them. They just assume they don't apply. Yes. It's like, oh, well, I've heard that advice before, but I'm not going to do it. And it's like, oh, but you don't know the fundamentals. Like once you master the fundamentals, you can be like, yeah, that's a great rule. It doesn't work for me in this situation. So I'm going to do it this way instead and see how it works. And it's just, it's way more fun. Like, because you can be very intentional and experiment and see how things go and then tweak. And yeah, I get into that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those areas you geek out. Oh, on yeah. That, oh, it? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. And lastly, Michelle, what is the best way for this community to connect with you? Yeah. So they can come over to my website at drmichellemazur.com. And I also run a Facebook group for speakers and entrepreneurs called The Rebel Speaker. It goes along with my podcast. And you can find that at drmichellemazur.com forward slash group. We talk about all issues related to visibility, to speaking, to how to charge what you're worth. It's a great group of speakers and entrepreneurs. So I'd love to have you. That's perfect. And for those listening, you can find all the links and resources shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com. And Michelle, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We're all better for having met you. Thank you for having me. It's been so much fun. Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Are you ready to take the lead in your own life? Head over to womentl.com forward slash recognized to reserve your spot in my upcoming webinar on how to be recognized and rewarded for the work that you do. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining with me, and here's to your success.